moment. Can we, can you help me bless that wonderful name of Jesus? The sweetest name I know, the most powerful name I know. The Lord told me to tell you on this morning that a closed mouth can't access an open heaven, so. On this morning, we praise his wonderful name on this morning because he chose us and, and we know that there's some deep biblical reason why we're the chosen, but can we just praise him because he chose to wake us up this morning? That's reason enough just to praise his name right there. <laughs> he chose to wake us up this morning and he chose to give us health and strength and a sound mind. If I can't praise for nothing else, I can praise him for that. Amen. Hallelujah. We're not going to prolong this service. I just want to give you a word because as we have been saying on today, this, this as we're living right now, are uncertain times. But we declared on the beginning of this year, somebody said this year. We declared that this is the year of the uncommon. I believe that uncertain times call for uncommon people. And so we're going to be coming from the book of Acts, the 28th chapter on this morning. We're going to go through the first and the fifth verse. It is so wonderful to see you all here on this morning. We know that some houses of worship are not meeting on today, and I ask that you do, do not judge them for that. Pastor LaShawn and I have been before the Lord just like other uh, leaders in the community and all over the globe to ask of the Lord if it's his will that this church, their church, be open on today. And I don't know what the Lord told anybody else. So I'm not here to judge anybody else as how they go about. But the Lord has told Pastor LaShawn and I that we were to have church on today. And that's not anything to blow our horn over or anything like that. We're just being obedient. And we're thankful that you all have shown up on today, amen, because those who didn't want to show up weren't going to show up anyway. Amen? Amen? They don't need a reason, amen? But I'm so glad that you came today, and if you came today, you came looking for something. I pray that this word encourages you during this time, amen? Acts, the 28th chapter, the first through the fifth verse. I ain't seen y'all in two weeks. Hey, y'all. What's going on? Did you miss me? Oh, I missed y'all, too. Acts, the 28th chapter, the first through the fifth verse, and it reads, and I'll be reading from the King James Version, uh, and it's titled, Paul's Ministry on Malta. It says, now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta, and the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. 
Somebody say, but. but. You know, uh, our, our pastor, uh, R.A. LaFleur, who was so wise and, and full of information, he used to always tell us that but cancel out everything that you said before. So he say, but. He shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Let me read that again. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. May the Lord add a blessing to the hearers and doers of his most holy word. And on this morning, I would like to talk briefly from the subject of shaking it off. Shake it off. I, I ain't going to ask you to touch your neighbor on the day. <laughs> I ain't going to ask you to uh, talk to your neighbor on today. Amen. Because everybody I know, uh, everybody ain't there yet. So to yourself, say, shake it off, self. Shake it off, self. You ain't scared to talk to yourself on the day, are you? Tell yourself, say, shake it off, self. In this time of uncertainty uh, and, and, and chaos, it seems to be, as Brian, I believe, alluded to earlier, there's a lot of things that we just don't know. And... For the believer, I think that it's important for us to know that if we are a reader of God's word, if you are a lover of God's word, then you understand that the Bible is being played out in real time before our eyes. The Bible is our interpretation of how we are to look at what's going on and to understand what's going on. Amen. And it says, Jesus says, uh, in Luke 21, 11, he, he, he says, and Great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines and pestilence, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. But I also want you to understand that Isaiah 41 and 10 tells us, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of righteousness. And for us, that's good news. To the believer, that's good news. Amen. And so with that, I need us to understand that in this time of uncertainty and for the uncommon, that we are to exercise wisdom. In Proverbs 4, Solomon, he is writing to his children, and he states, let your, hearts retain, let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. And so for us, we are to get an understanding of this time in which we're living. Not only this time in which we're living, but how we as saints, as believers of God, how we are to behave and to talk during this time. Amen? Wisdom is how we look and approach and how we approach life. Wisdom is the appropriate application of knowledge. But also, we need to understand one thing, what wisdom is. Wisdom is, wisdom is Jesus is the wisdom of God. The Bible tells us that in 1 Corinthians 1 and 30. And so for us, the more Christ-like we become, the wiser we become. If you want to be wise, you have to be Christ-like. Amen? And so for us, we need to understand God said he will, with his right hand, he would uphold us, right? So what we need to understand is that when life hands us things, we need to hand it over to God. We need to put it in God's hands. When things go left, we know that God will make things right. Amen? He will cause distress to turn to excess, cause pain to turn to gain. 
Illness turned to wellness. Cause travail to turn to prevail. Turn wounds into wisdom, pain into peace, and grief into gladness. If we would just put that thing in God's hand, everything will be all right. If we just learn how to just shake it off. Somebody say, shake it off. Shake it off. To shake it off means to rid, to free oneself or someone of something that one finds aggravating, upsetting, or annoying. It means to get over it and to move on from something, usually something painful. Somebody say, shake it off. That's what we have to do in life, y'all. When we hear bad news, we got to shake it off. When we, when we uh, uh, see disappointment, we got to shake it off. When people try to backstab, you got to shake it off. Amen. Why? Because you are the anointed. And the uncommon has been called for this time because you are anointed. And anointed sometimes is only activated through adversity. And so we are the anointed. We are the anointed of God. And being anointed of God, that means that we are aligned with the agenda of God. And so we don't have time to be losing focus. We don't have time to be distracted. Because there's a purpose in your life that God has anointed you, yes, you, for. And so if we get distracted by the things that we see, that means we fail to turn in our assignment. Amen? So we got to shake it off. Somebody say shake it off. That's something we have to do. We have to shake it off, y'all. It's important that we shake it off. In Numbers 23 and 20, and I'm going to tell you why it's easy for us to learn to shake it off when we get an understanding. In Numbers 23 and 20, we hear Balak, and he is asking Balaam to curse the people of God, the Israelites. Amen? But what I love about it in 23 and 20, it says, Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. You blessed, and it ain't nobody. You are blessed, and it ain't nobody that can do anything about it. He is turning curses into blessings right before your eyes. Shake it off. Every attack of the enemy has an assignment from God attached to it. What does that mean? That means that when the enemy thought he broke you, all he did was woke you. He woke something up on the inside of you, amen, when he tried to break you down. You thought it would break me up, but it woke me up. He tried to use it to kill me, but God used it to build me, amen, to build my faith, to build my belief, to build my testimony, to build my prayer life. The enemy just didn't know what he was doing, amen. It was all the plan of God, amen. And so when you have an understanding that the enemy can't do nothing to you, look, if your past didn't disqualify you, ain't nothing that the enemy should say that should disappoint you about what God has for you. If what I did didn't disqualify, disqualify me for this, what can the enemy say? What can the enemy do? I thought I did all that I can do to exempt myself from the love of God. But yet, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The word tells us that out of all the things, all the gifts that we should have, the three things that will always last is faith, hope, and love. And in that, in that, that scripture, we see all three at play, at play. The very first thing is the love of God, which he said is the greatest thing. We see the, the love of God. He says, for so God loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that who should ever believe faith, if you will believe, you will have hope. You won't perish, but you'll have everlasting life. If you, you exercise those three things in that very verse, you can overcome anything. Because God so loved me. He didn't love what I did, but he loved me. That he gave me a chance. That he sent me a savior. Amen. The word also tells us that in Hebrews 11 and 6, and I love this, that but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so when I look at that and we begin to break that down, to diligently seek him means to be consumed in looking for him or to crave him. So what that means is that if I want a healing, everything in me, my mind, my body, and my soul must believe that he is a healer. And he will reward me for diligently seeking him with healing. If I'm looking for deliverance. I got to believe, I got to know that I know that I know that he is a deliverer, and I must follow him. I can't let anything distract me or throw me off course, because my deliverance is on that. I don't care what mama say, I don't care what daddy say, I don't care what the world say. If I believe that God is a deliverer, he will reward me for my deliverance. The word tells us, seek ye first what? And what will be added? All these things. So before you go looking for a woman, you need to go seek God. Why? Because you can find a good woman, but God will give you a godly woman. You can go looking for a man, but God, if you seek God first, he will give you a godly man. A godly man will bless you. A godly man will protect you. Let me tell you about something about a godly woman. I got a godly woman. God knows the desires of our heart, right? He knows what we want. When you have a godly woman or a godly man, you show up sometimes, and the things that you haven't even communicated with that person that you won't need or desire, that person will have for you. Why? Because you have a godly person on your side. Don't go look for a job first. Seek God first. God will give you a godly job. Not only will he give you a godly job, he'll give you a career. So the first thing we start to do is mess up by try going around God to get stuff that we want. But God says, no, you seek me first, and I will give you what you need. Amen? Amen. Can we give God a word, a, a hand clap of praise or something? Or something? Uh-oh. Paper fell. Uh-oh, we... And also, we need to understand one thing in this difficult of times. And Pastor LaShawn, and I love her, and that's why I say you have to look for God first, and he will give you a godly woman. Job 3 and 25 says, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. What does that mean? We must be careful because the thing that we meditate on will also manifest in our life if we're not careful. That thing that we have been meditating on 
will manifest in our life if we're not careful. If God resurrected you, that means that the spirit of resurrection lies on the inside of you. And that means that if we're not careful, we will resurrect some dead things in our life that need to be dead. But God told me to tell you on this morning to build an altar and dig a grave. Build an altar and dig a grave. Because we're going to praise him for what he's done. And every time we praise him for what he's done, he's going to kill something in our life. And that thing's going to be dead and buried. So if you want to kill some things in your life, just start praising the name of God. Amen. Just start lifting up his name. So we're going to build an altar and we're going to dig a grave. Amen. In our scripture, we find Paul and, and Paul is an anointed man. And Paul is anointed for the time in which he has been called for. We look at Paul. Paul has been jailed. Paul has been beaten. Paul has been uh, talked about, lied on. Uh, and here we see Paul has been shipwrecked. And it says that the wind was so strong that it broke apart. Well, it pushed them off course. And then they began shipwrecked. And I believe that we need to understand that we hear that faith is, the word tells us that we just have to have faith uh, the size of a mustard seed. Amen. And for some of us, I think we need to understand through storms in our life, the thing that's going to rescue us is that small amount of faith sometimes. When things start to unravel in our life and storms start to hit and things start breaking down, when we hold on to our faith, it'll take us to Malta. Why? Because Malta means refuge. It means safety. And for you to be escape the situation that you're in, you're going to have to hold on to your faith and let God direct you to safety. And so they get to this island, amen, and, and, and on this island they, they are, uh, 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 they come across the inhabitants of this island, barbarians of this island, amen. And it's so wonderful, so wonderful, that after you go through a storm in your life, that God has some people to help you. God had placed people there to help them in their time of need. And the thing that they did was they built a fire. They built a fire. And Paul was, was busy trying to collect sticks to put on this fire. And how many people know that when you start to get busy to do a work for God, that trouble will come out the woodworks? <laughs> trouble will come out the woodworks. And so the snake, this viper, it, it, it latches on to, to Paul's hand. And, 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 and the, 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 the inhabitants of the island, they looked at this, and, and they thought that Paul would, 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 uh, would blow up and die because of the venom. And I need you to understand one thing. I need you to understand one thing. Sometimes God has to expose you to some stuff so that you can be resistant to some stuff. We understand that by this time, Jesus had died, risen, and had been resurrected, and he had been, uh, uh, been brought up into the heavens where he sits on the right, hand, right side of God. He rose with all power, right? All power. We have the blood of Jesus covering our life. And so what we need to understand is sometimes venom is sometimes, venom is used to kill, but it's also used to heal. So when you take this venom and you make it uh, an antidote and, and you introduce it in people's lives, it gets a resistance in the blood. And so that very thing that, was, that, very thing that comes against you can't kill you. So I need you to understand the reason why Paul couldn't die, because he it was in the blood. It was built up in the blood. 
antibodies for death. So there are certain things that hit your life. Certain things that hit your life that seeks to kill you, but it can't because of the blood that's on your life. Jesus rose up with all power, and all power is in the blood, and all power covers you, amen? So that thing can't kill you, amen? God allows things to happen in our life so that growth can occur in our life, amen? And so if nothing happens to you, nothing happens in you. And if nothing happens in you, nothing will work for you when something seems like everything is working against you. So if we have God in us, and if God is working for us, and if God is for us, then who can be against us? Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? It's the blood, y'all. <laughs> somebody need to get excited about that. It's the blood of Jesus. Wasn't that what Sister Fee was talking about it, uh, this, earlier today? The blood of Jesus? It's the blood of Jesus, y'all. I don't care what's hitting your life. I don't care what's biting at you. I don't care. You got the blood of Jesus working in your life with all power. And what is working against you will be working for you because it's working in you. Come on, y'all. Now, it seems as though, as, as we see this, and, and Paul was busy, Paul was trying to gather sticks for a fire. And we need to understand what the significance of fire is. Fire represents the presence and the power of God. In the book of Leviticus, the, the, the priests were in charge of ensuring that the fire always burned. They had to add fire, wood to the fire every morning to ensure that the fire always burned. Yeah, we have to ensure that the fire in us is burning all the time. We have to add wood to our fires all the time. How can you be a light if you have no fire? You can't be a light unless you got a fire. Your fire is your praise. Your fire is your worship. And every time you try to get in the presence of God, it seems like the enemy always comes out and tries to do something to prevent you from getting in the presence of God. But I need you to understand, you cannot let anything come between you and God. You have to ensure that you feed the fire every day of your life. You have to be in the presence of God, in the face of God, every day of, the, of your life. You have to be in the word of God every day of your life. You have to be around godly people every day in your life, or else your fire will go out. Your desire will go out. Your zeal will go out. Look, the enemy knows one thing. He understands one thing. The enemy knows he lost. The enemy knows he lost. He knows he has lost his battle. He has lost the war. And God is exalted. But what he understands is, I can't beat God, but I can beat down the people of God if they let me. He understands I can use shame and guilt, their past against them, and if they don't fight against that, if they don't get inside into the word of God, if they don't listen to God's words and, and heed his voice and retain the word of God in their heart, not only did he lose, but you are lost. So it's important that we shake it off. We shake off criticism. 
We shake off those things that people say about us and those things that people try to do to throw us off course. Because we said before, the enemy has people that work for him, but the enemy has people who work for him as well. We say that the anointing on Bible study, we say that the anointing on your life is a target on your back. And when the enemy sees you, you are, the anointed is the biggest threat to the enemy. The biggest threat to his kingdom. And so he's going to try to derail you with anything that he can. He's, trying, he's going to put people in your way and things in your way, temptation in your way. But you got to learn how to shake it off. Things are too critical, y'all. Things are too critical. Things are too serious. Your salvation should be the most important thing to you in this life. Let me tell you something. God can use you. And you can have, you can believe that you're, 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 you're blessed, you're highly favored, you're anointed. But the spirit of Ichabod can be at play on your life. What's the spirit of Ichabod? What does Ichabod mean? The glory of, of, glory of, the glory of God has left. So you can be singing in the choir, singing on the praise team, doing a good work for God. You can be delivering the word to God, but you're effective in getting people, other people into God's presence, but not yourself. You can be able to, to speak, and, and that's the difference between wisdom and knowledge. You can know the Bible, that's knowledge. But can you apply the word of God, the application of it? Your relationship with God determines how great God is in your life and the power of God is in your life. Some people are just concerned with knowing the word of God and, and, and getting a light bill paid and, and, and a headache being gone. But right now, we live in a world of coronavirus. And from day to day, we don't know what way is up. There are people who was here yesterday that ain't here today. There are going to be some people who leave church today who might not make it home. And so we have to be secure. We have to shake some stuff off in our life. And I want to end this on one thing. And one of the biggest things that we need to learn how to do is shake off is offenses. Can I get four people? Four people. Any people. We ain't going to touch. Give me four brothers. There we go. Come on, brothers. There we go. Just four. Just four. Just four. We need to learn how to shake off offenses because if we don't learn how to shake off offenses, then, offenses, then we'll never, get to, we'll never be, get to go where God has ordained for us to go. What is an offense? Offense is every time somebody says something, stand right there, brother. I build a fence. So every time somebody do something, I build a fence. Every time somebody look at me crazy, I build a fence. Every time somebody disappoints me, I build a fence. And all the fences does is fence me in. I can't get, point, I can't get past the point of what Brian said to me. I can't get past the thing that he did to me. I can't get past the thing that he disappointed me with. I can't get past the thing that he didn't do for me. I'm stuck. And I never, I never achieved my potential in life. I'm just stuck. 
And you wonder why some people are mad all the time. Because they stuck. They can't go far. They can't get past stuff. Everything could be going well in their life. It seemed like they got the money, they got the car, they got all that type of stuff. But there's still something that's keeping them bound and stuck. But Jesus said, I am the gate. I am the gate. And so if we accept Jesus, we can go through the gate and we can be saved from ourselves. <laughs> Amen. 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 Y'all get the word of God a hand clap of praise. I told you we won't touch. Y'all get away from me. 